Hello, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of a brand new podcast. This is Adam and Ben, new and selected. My name is Lucian Wardaley. And I'm Ben. Yeah, sorry. Of course, I forgot. Adam and Ben. It, it is bizarre to have the names of two men in a show hosted by two men and for the names of the two men to be different to the names of the men hosting the show. Almost unprecedented and bizarre, but there's a good reason for it. This is a podcast about two of our favorite comedy movie stars, Adam Sandler and Ben Stiller. And over the next uh, however many episodes, we're going to be basically going back and forth discussing movies that they have starred in, comparing them, comparing their personas, their careers, and figuring out who we like better. Isn't that right, Shane? Absolutely. Please introduce yourself seriously this time. Oh, I am Shane, and I am the second half of Adam and Ben New and Selected podcast. Perfect. Um, Shane and I have um, podcasted together many times over the years, uh, many an appearance Shane made on my old show, Where's the Damn Sequel, which you're welcome to check out. Um, but now we're very focused. We've got two guys we want to talk about, we want to learn more about, and I think that um, people are really going to enjoy it. We're going to kick off, as we will every episode, with a segment called Boys Report, where we discuss, um, you know, news updates surrounding the two guys that this podcast is about. So we have two bits of Adam Sandler news that came out yesterday. And the first is that Carrie Mulligan, who is nominated for uh, an Academy Award this year and is the favorite to win, actually, is uh, has been cast in this new movie, Spaceman, that um, Sandler is starring in for, for Netflix and from the, direct, the director of Chernobyl. Um, so Mulligan, obviously, a very, very talented, well-respected actress. Her and Adam Sandler's like energies together is, um, is, is obviously very enticing, bizarre uh, proposition. Um, this movie is going to based on a novel by Jaroslav Kalfar follows an astronaut sent to the edge of the galaxy to collect mysterious ancient dust. He soon finds his earthly life falling to pieces and he turns to the only voice who can help him try to put it back together. A creature from the beginning of time lurking in the shadows of his ship. Carrie Mulligan will play his wife. Mm, I'm not crazy about like very talented actresses like her being cast as like wives of of astronauts. Like we saw this with um claire foy and first man a very very boring film but yeah. i do think sandler astronaut is such a an inevitable but fascinating idea. like this sounds like a quite serious film but yeah is it gonna have like gags where he opens like a closet door on an empty ship and like a ghost jumps out or something yes i don't know. oh my god what are you <laughs> it sounds like like ad astra type yeah thing. but adam astra yeah like adam astra i mean he's his dramatic um, talents, as as much as they are 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 you know are there, have never really been stretched to like space drama levels. Where this, I feel like this is going to be an Adam Sandler grows stubble throughout the film. Yeah, yeah, I think so, and just does a very like world weary type of yeah act. I think he's going to be quite. I'd say, I mean, by the definition of a space movie, people tend to give quite quiet performances because there's nobody to interact with. So yeah. Obviously, Carrie Mulligan's going to be in this to some extent, but I don't know. I'm I'm obviously really interested. Is it listed as a drama or a comedy or what is it? It's listed as a drama. I mean, Carrie okay. Mulligan. Carrie Mulligan would not be in a 
Adam Sandler comedy. Space comedy, yeah. I mean, it's one of the directors of, of Chernobyl as well, which is like one of the most grim okay. and dour things I've ever seen. So I think this is going to be very serious and I'm not sure who it's going to be aimed at, but I am looking forward to it. The other bit of Adam news was that he apparently will not be returning unless this is an update soon. will not be returning for Hotel Transylvania 4, um, which is coming out in this summer. Apparently right. the rest of the cast are coming back, but he's going to be uh dracula is now going to be played by the guy who plays dracula in like the the short films which is annoying because i think um animated work is not that much of a commitment so i don't know why adam couldn't just uh come back for the fourth movie definitely makes me a little bit less excited for hotel transylvania 4 but you know if it's because he's too busy working on a spaceman or that um basketball movie he has coming up then you know, so be it. Um, because those are both those are both obviously a bit more bit more exciting than Hotel Transylvania Four. But anyway, any thoughts on that, Shane? No, it seems like a different type of sounder movie, which is nice. My nice same branch out. Something. Exactly. I, I think um, we will eventually obviously cover Spaceman, and hopefully we'll cover the Hotel Transyl Transylvania the Hotel the Hotel Trans Transylvania um, trilogy quadrilogy on this show. But we'll move on now to today's selected film, which is uh, a Ben Stiller picture. We're starting off with uh, mm -hmm. on the Ben side of the table, and this is the movie Duplex from two thousand and three, directed by Danny DeVito, written by Larry Doyle, starring Ben Stiller, Drew Barry more uh, Eileen Essel, Harvey Firestein, and Justin Thoreau. And it came out on September 26th, 2003. It was distributed mm -hmm. by Harvey Weinstein's Miramax, and it uh, grossed 19.3 million on a 40 million budget and was considered a pretty significant failure. And yes. it's a, a fascinating, like semi-forgotten movie that I uh, think is actually like one of the best comedies Ben Stiller has ever starred in. And that's why we wanted to pick it as our first one to start off with. Isn't that right? Yeah, it's quite a fitting film to have to be like the first release after 9-11 to have it be about a house falling down. <laughs> first release after 9-11. Sorry, first New York set. First major New York productions after 9-11. Yes. <laughs> to be about a house collapsing. Yes. Okay. Um, you, I imagine, hadn't heard of this film until I told you to watch it last week, had you? Absolutely not. And that is kind of my appeal of doing this yeah. podcast. I don't want to talk about the well-known ones at the moment, anyway. Duplex has a little cult following. Duplex is the sort of film that shows up an awful lot on Comedy Central, uh, you know, UK and Irish edition at like 4 p.m. Right. 4 p.m. on a Saturday afternoon. I feel, or like E4, I feel like that's where this film, or Dave or Gold, that's where this film exists. It's in the sort of like middle-aged comedy cable TV mm. channel universe. Like when they're not showing Hot Fuzz, um, they'll show Duplex. Because I've seen bits of it here and there over the years, um, probably three or four times I've kind of checked in for, for half an hour. And only last week when I sat down was I like, oh, I've actually never watched this start to finish. This is very, very good and nice and short, gets in and out, 89 minutes, mm -hmm. and is very, very funny throughout. So um, do you want to run us down like the the sort of the basic setup of Duplex? Yeah, well, it starts out with a nice little animated graphic of the trouble of trying to purchase a house in New York and ever-relevant theme. Yeah. Uh, so Ben Ben Stiller and Drew Barrymore, a young professional couple, no kids, trying to enter the property market, and they're viewing various houses in different areas of the city, too small, too big, too expensive, whatever. Until 
this lovely real estate agent brings them to this nice duplex apartment, which is it's kind of a house, but it's split into two separate apartments. But the catch of purchasing this building is that there's a tenant living upstairs who is an old lady. So they won't have access to the second the second apartment until she leaves or dies. And she'll pay them rent. She pays them rent, yeah. Can't up her rent because of rent controls and they can't evict her because of rent controls. So yep. instantly our our, protag- our sympathetic protagonists are foiled by progressive landlord checks and balances. Yes, our poor professional middle-class couple can't evict an old lady out of her house so they can have a bit more room. So the film inherently based on that premise kind of has to have a kind of hyper ironic attitude to its characters whereby mm-hmm. the, the, we are obviously, you know, inherently going to sympathize with Ben Stiller and Drew Barrymore because they are nice, uh, attractive movie stars that we like. However, there's kind of no version of this film where they are not the villains. Like the old lady upstairs yeah. doesn't harm anybody. She is just incredibly annoying. Yes. And is getting in the way of them having a peaceful existence um, as sort of indulged middle class people. Um, She sort of like watches TV really loudly and makes loads of noise and stays up really late. And wants you to help her bring out the bins too often. Like it's... She is also, she pays like what, $100 a rent month or something? 88. 88. Just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. So she's nothing but an inconvenience to them. And obviously we're like on 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 kind of you know on their side and in, in wanting her gone but at the same time um they are they are objectively the worst people ever they are, <laughs> they are so insidious in their schemes to get her out and the fact that they're landlords um it's like a weird a weird kind of like uh anti-landlord satire in a sense about the yeah. extents that people will go to to ignore rules that are totally there for the the goodwill of people so um it's interesting. It's it's interesting, and we're going to discuss that more in a minute. But um, yeah, no, the dynamic of who who is the actual bad guy in this is kind of thrown all over the place. Exactly. But there's some nice uh, appearances by some some actors we like in supporting roles as well. So Justin Thoreau shows up as uh, like one half of a couple that they're friends with. I guess he's like a friend of theirs. But they're also kind of jealous of their kind of a yes. They don't have to deal with any of the same problems. Yeah, they don't have like much of an impact on the film at all. Mm. And then uh, Harvey Firestein, who has like one of the greatest voices ever, um, plays Kenneth, the real estate uh, guy. And Wallace Shawn plays Drew Barrymore's manager, like boss at the magazine she works for. And Maya Rudolph shows up briefly as like a, mm-hmm. a sort of co-worker of hers. And then Danny DeVito is the narrator, as he is with some of the other films he directed as well. Um, and I think once Danny DeVito's voice comes in in the first minute of the film, you kind of know uh, the sort of tone you're going to be getting at. And I think this does have some sort of like it's always sunny energy in terms of like rooting for detestable young people yeah um and the music is by david newman and i could tell it was by david newman the second that it started because all david newman music sounds the same uh he composed films like the cat in the hat and his music is very much just like this is a comedy and we have violins and this is very funny and we're going to go like this and it's great i love david Newman. oh yeah it's a real like early 2000s early 2000s score like all the films had it yes score like that yeah 
every kind of studio three, like whatever like cheaper by the dozen all them films so that's by the dozen and uh bringing down the house probably bringing down the house i mean i guarantee like you're not wrong he definitely scored some of those like yeah uh, nutty professor to the clumps probably some billy crystal stuff as well ice age daddy daycare scooby-doo 2 yeah. are we there yet norbis like they're very much the <laughs> films i watched when i was a child that'll be on like the big big movie on rt yes alvin and the chipmunks the Squeakle. He yeah. is the big, big, he's the ultimate big, big movie um, director. I would, or composer, I would actually say Duplex feels like a an adult version of a big, big movie movie. There's no kids in it. No, but it, it's not a kid's film. Like it's no, no, no. It's got attempted murder in it, but it, yeah. it does, it does have the energy of an early 2000s kids family comedy. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's kind of, it's just, it's just a tick off. Like there's something slightly off about it. A bit darker because of DeVito's yeah. sensibilities. Like, um, it uh, was released in Ireland and the UK as Our House, and in Poland as The Old Lady Must Go. I'm assuming the mm. reason for this is that they don't think people in Britain and Ireland know what a duplex is, right? Yeah, because I wasn't certain what a duplex was either. Okay, so that's interesting. That makes sense. That makes sense. I feel like there's people in America who don't know what a duplex is, though. Like, people who live in rural areas probably have never come across a duplex. I don't know. First time I saw this film, I definitely didn't know what a duplex was anyway. Well, ultimately, the film basically sees them, like, try to get her out. They come up with all these schemes to try and scare her away. And then ultimately, they basically decide that they're going to um, hire a hitman to take her out. Is that what happened? Yeah, no, it kind of gradually progresses until, like, at a, there's a midpoint in the film where they, like, go to a pub and they're like, I want to kill her. And then it, they kind of just agree on that. And then it, it's not really acknowledged further on, but they just keep planning to kill her. Like there's no kind of thought to it. Yes. Um, and ultimately she kind of wins out in the end, um, yeah. which is, you know, is nice. It's, um, it definitely owes a lot to a classic film that I love called The Lady Killers from 1955, which is a film about like a bunch of like bank robbers who move into a house that is owned by an old woman and she is just constantly meddling and getting in their business and it's very irritating and they have mm. to like get rid of her. And it is a great classic British comedy that was remade in 2004 by the Coen brothers with Tom Hanks. And it is like pretty widely accepted to be the Coen brothers's worst film um mm -hmm. they didn't write it it's not good and they had to kind of bounce back to to, to do no country for old men a, a year later because it was two years later because it was it was so poorly received not a good remake but the original lady killers if anyone hasn't seen it 1955 with alec guinness um i would really recommend checking out but anyway uh that's the plot of duplex so now we're yeah. going to move on to class corner and this is where we discuss the sort of socioeconomic and political side of the film and what it has to say this will often bring up issues of how adam sandler straddles his sort of like working class new yorker versus middle versus like wealthy hollywood star personas and that kind of thing but in this case we're obviously talking about a film that involves property and gentrification and uh shane being an economist uh, has some interesting takes on this. So what have what have you got to discuss, Shane? Well, they're quite a wealthy couple. It's not kind of acknowledged, I think. And that kind of is kind of key when deciding who the bad people are in this film. Like, it's kind of a tricky one where your perspective of who the villain is constantly shifts. Like, they're buying a house in Brooklyn. 
it's a duplex it's 1800 square feet it probably costs like well over half a million mm-hmm. they both probably went to college they're educated and they have full-time jobs and then there's this old lady yeah but let, yet we're still kind of led to believe that she's the evil in this situation all right so the next thing we're going to discuss is where does ben stiller's character in this stand on the alex howie scale so this is a scale of how angry and infuriated our protagonist is on a scale from alex the lion from madagascar who's a pretty chill guy he's a lion and he likes to sleep all day to howie bling from uncut gems who is an absolute wreck of anxiety um Mm -hmm. now fun twist Uh, Ben Stiller's character in Duplex is also called Alex. Um, So every time we do this segment in future, people are going to think we're talking about Duplex. Um, But never mind. So Hmm. I'm going to put him uh, somewhere like if if Howie's a 10 and Alex is a 1, I'm going to put him somewhere in like the in like the 8 territory. I think that like going to the lengths of trying to murder somebody because they're annoying you is like pretty high up the scale. Like I think that's kind of beyond Howie nearly. Yeah. Like, Howie doesn't try to kill someone. So we think he's a full 10? Is it? Is this an Alex to Alex scale? I guess it might be an Alex to Alex scale. Like, in terms of... In, yeah, like, in terms of monetary value at stake, like, him losing his book and her getting fired mm-hmm. probably had a just after purchasing a house probably had a bigger financial impact than how we just like not making money on his gym or losing a bet. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Like within the from start of the film to finish of the film, does more catastrophe befall him? Arguably, yes. Yeah. In a in a in a grander sense. Okay. So we're gonna we're gonna make to the point where he'll murder an old woman. An old woman. Oh, great. Maybe we're going to make this an Alex to Alex scale then. Interesting. Uh, next, we've got Wife Guys, where we talk about the wife in the movie. So obviously not every movie has a wife, but um, most Adam Sandler, Ben Stiller films has a talented actress playing one of their wives. And in this movie, it's obviously Drew Barrymore, who I would argue is not the wife in this movie. She is the she's the she's co lead co lead of the film. Yeah. Drew Barrymore in two thousand and three um just finished her marriage to Tom Green. Um <laughs> star oh, star okay. star of our favorite Freddie Gothingard. Uh she then appeared in uh, Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, which came out the same year as this, and the following year would appear in Fifty First Dates with Adam Sandler, which we'll obviously be discussing at some point. So she has actually made more movies with with Adam Sandler than she has with Ben Stiller. So we're gonna be talking about her again on the show, obviously. But um she's very good in this, she's very funny. I like Drew Barrymore. I'm not I wouldn't say I'm like a, an active fan of hers. Like I would never I've never watched that Netflix show that she's in. I I wouldn't really seek her out. But when she is in comedies like this, I think she can be very funny and has a sort of a a wide-eyed optimism paired with a a sort of a cynical demeanor that I think is quite suited to acting opposite guys like Ben and Adam, which is why she's obviously come back to work with Adam uh, a few times and been in this with Ben as well. Yeah, like I find Ben Stiller to be quite Mm. just an unlikable presence anyway in nearly everything. Like he's just... He seems like kind of an asshole in most things. Yes, he does. And she's nice. And she's like, she kind of makes you feel better about him because it's like, 
oh, he's married to Drew Barrymore. He can't be that bad. Exactly. I think that helps. Next question. Would the movie work if it starred Adam Sandler instead of Ben Stiller? Yeah, I think so. I guess so. There's no reason why it wouldn't. I think the main thing is I wouldn't buy Adam Sandler as an author. Yeah. He's a little too... Like, he play, he's played Architects and stuff, but that's a stretch. I think Architect is about as far as I can push him on the intellectual scale of plausibility. I don't see him as a writer. Yeah, Ben Stiller is a bit probably more passive in his anger as well. Yeah. Like, Adam Sandler's... He's more aggressive. Like. Yeah, Adam Sandler's, like, roaring that he does... I think would probably tip the scales of this film a little too much to be yeah. full on cartoon. Like, I don't think that there'd be any kind of like this film is obviously a satire and things are exaggerated. But I think the way that Adam Sandler just yells and roars is like, just take things to a cartoonish level where this film would would have to re readjust around that performance. Yeah, like the main characters are obviously trying to show that we're proper people. We're trying to show restraint here. We've just been tipped over the edge. Whereas Sandler would just kind of... He'd be like that from... He, from, he lives on the edge like from the beginning. Yeah. Um, I think the character couldn't be a, an author. I think Stiller has more of a college-educated energy. So I think mm. Sandler would probably in this film have to be just like, I, I don't know, a guy who works from home doing something. Maybe he'd have, maybe he, I don't know. Maybe he'd have to be unemployed. I, I don't know what kind of job he would ever do working from home. Yeah. Um, would the movie work with Eddie Murphy? So this question obviously sort of brings race into the conversation because uh, a lot of these roles are men who get get away with what they get away with because they're uh, white and mm. uh, American straight males. So I think it's an interesting question to say. Would we work? have to make the cop white though in that situation? Yes, possibly because the dynamic. Yeah, the film is just over then after fifteen minutes. Over then after fifteen minutes. Um, because yes, the cops' sympathies are obviously completely based on that dynamic with the obnoxious white couple. Mm. So yes, I, I think I think it would be interesting. I think that the the dynamic with um, a black couple and the old Irish woman would be interesting. Uh, realistically, we haven't discussed the woman being Irish, the old woman. No, um, and there's actually some good Irish. Like there's a there's an Irish dancing joke, and there's a few other Irishy bits. Um, if there was an old Irish woman living in an apartment in Brooklyn, realistically, she would be super racist towards a black couple. So I think there'd be like the movie would end up revolving around that. <laughs> Whereas in this, she's like trying her best to be nice because she has she has no reason to, to, to be prejudiced against these these middle class white people. Um, I don't know. In, in, in a non-racial sense, would this movie work with Eddie Murphy? Uh, I actually think it would probably work better with Eddie Murphy than with Adam Sandler. Um yeah, but again, based on how this film approaches class and and property ownership, um, I do think that having a black couple would really change the dynamic, and it would be hard to make the movie about anything other than that. Yeah, and I don't think Danny DeVito is qualified to tell that story necessarily. I would make I would be more uh, interested in that being like a Spike Lee type movie um, with an even darker sensibility than being this kind of like goofy comedy. Um, so yeah, anyway, uh, that's both of those questions answered. So the next and final part of this is going to be the box office game. So this is obviously something that we've recycled from other podcasts that we've done, but um, it's a lot of fun. So we're going to... Should we reveal the twist at the end of the film first? Yes, reveal the twist at the end of the film. Yeah, so they eventually get to the point where they want to sell the house and they're like, we're out. And they go up to say goodbye to the old lady and they're there with the real estate agent and they're like, they find out she's on the couch and she's not moving. 
like, she's dead. And then they roll their eyes and they're like, oh no, we just sold the house. And now she's dead. So. Is she, is she actually dead? No. It's a prank. That- it's a prank. And it turns out the real estate agent and the cop are going out. Oh my God, yes. And like the real estate agent is the son of the Irish lady. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, so they're all in cahoots, like, and they've have just had to show their mantelpiece then of just like 10 or 15 pictures of couples who moved in, whose lives they've wrecked, and they're just making money because the real estate agent is completely overselling the selling and over the price and whatever he makes his big commission or whatever. So, okay. They're all in, they're all working together to scam these young couples. It is a good twist, actually. Um, okay, I'm looking at the box office for the film, uh, okay. the opening weekend. This is not um, quizzable. Um, okay. i heard of most of these, so we're just going to have to go through them. Quality. This movie opened in seventh place with $4 million. Now, it opened in, not only did it open in seventh place, it opened in seventh place in September, a notoriously quiet month when there are no blockbusters to compete with. Yeah. And frankly, there are multiple films listed above it here that I have simply never heard of. So, uh, there's no way you're going to get any of these. <laughs> we should do this in reverse in future because I'm a little bit more knowledgeable. But anyway, the yeah. number one movie is, uh, is Dwayne the Rock Johnson vehicle. And uh, I'd be... In 2003. Yeah, I'd be really shocked if you got this. Have you any more details? It's an adult comedy with Dwayne Johnson and Sean William Scott and Christopher Walken. It has two names, similar to Duplex. It has two mm. titles, and one of them is a little bit more familiar than the other. It's not like Goon or something. No, it's a few years before Goon. The weird uh, thing as well with this is that the title is also technically part of the title of another Dwayne Johnson movie. You're not going to get it. No, go on. This movie's called Welcome to the Jungle, a.k.a. The Rundown. Welcome to the Jungle, obviously. Okay. Also being technically the name of the Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle, which he also stars in. He's been in two movies with that name. But it's called The Rundown in the U.S. and Welcome to the Jungle everywhere else. Uh, I don't know what The Rundown means. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, Number two is... I don't even know what this is. I mean, there's no way you're going to get any of these. Okay. Number two is called Under the Tuscan Sun. No, I I don't know what that is. Number three is... I'll see if there's any of these you're going to get. Number three... You might get number three. Number three is like a vampire thing. I haven't seen it. It's like a vampire franchise. And this is the first one. And I haven't seen any of them. And they're not very good. There's like ten of them. Oh, is that ten of these films? Seven at least, yeah. I have no idea. Underworld. Oh, no. Jeez. Number four is something that I've never heard of called Secondhand Lions. Number five is something I've never heard of called The Fighting Temptations. Number six is uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, which is, uh, I think, directed by somebody famous. Although I can't for the life of me find out who directed it. Oh, it has Antonio Banderas. Mm. And Robert Rodriguez directed it. Okay. Insane. And then number seven is Duplex. 
And then uh, we also have Lost in Translation, Pirates of the Caribbean, okay. Freaky Friday. So yeah, basically Duplex just an absolute catastrophe. Like did so poorly. Um, probably because the premise was not clearly communicated in the marketing. I don't know. Yeah, no one, no one was in the mood to see a film about an immigrant destroying people's houses. Yeah, exactly. You would have just thought that people would be would have stiller fever in two thousand and three and would have gone because this was right right between the the Fockers movies and Zoolander. I don't know. I don't get it. Oh yeah, hmm. I, I would have expected it to do well. Anyway, alas, that is Duplex, and that is our episode. Thank you everybody for tuning in. Thanks to Shane for joining me. And we will be back with another episode very soon where we will probably be moving over to the Adam side of things and covering a Sandler picture. If you'd like to let us know what Sandler picture you'd like us to cover, you can get in touch with the show. So our website is adamandben.live. And there you can find all of our latest episodes. And there should be a way to contact us on there. But you can also get in touch with us on our official Twitter account, which is called uh, Adam and Ben Pod. So that's Adam and Ben, P-O-D is the username. And you can send us messages on there and we'll read them out on the show. Let us know what episode, what movie you'd like us to cover next. And uh, this was a bit of a pilot, a bit of an experiment. Uh, so hopefully, you know, audio, theme song, format will all be uh, ironed out a little bit by the next episode. But thanks for checking out our first attempt and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye.